Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, powerful verse of scripture. But I want you to notice something. And what Jesus is truly saying here. He is not saying that he's going to build his church on Peter. On Peter himself. But he's going to build his church on Jesus. On the foundation of what Peter said Jesus was. In the Greek language you'll find two words used for the word rock. There's the word petros. P-E-T-R-O-S. And the word petra. P-E-T-R-A. One means a piece of rock. The other means the complete boulder or the complete stone which is anchored deep into the ground. And the word petros is the Greek word that means part of the rock. And to help us understand that, in John chapter 1, verse 42, Jesus said, You shall be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And what I want you to understand is that Jesus never intended for the church to be built upon Peter himself. Peter was a man made out of the same flesh and blood that you and I are. There are many times as we've studied Scripture where we see Peter stumbling and falling. He tried to walk on the water and he sank, didn't he? Got his eyes off the Lord. He bragged that he would never deny Jesus. I'll go to the death for you. And as the rooster crowed three times, so he had denied Christ. Peter's foundation was a shaky foundation, a sinking foundation. A foundation built upon sinking sand, not on the solid rock. We need to thank God today that Peter is not, never has been, and never will be the foundation of the true church. The foundation of the true church <coughs> is built upon Jesus Christ, the solid rock, the rock of ages. Amen? The foundation of the true church is built upon a sure foundation, a solid foundation, an everlasting foundation. If the church tries to build upon a preacher, trust me, it will fail. You can say amen. <clears throat> or not. If a church tries to build itself on a, an elder or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker or a youth pastor, it's going to what? fail. That's right. The church has been lied about, slandered, and persecuted. It's been told that it's outdated, no longer needed, and that she's too old-fashioned. Give me some of that old-time religion. Hallelujah. Because this has never gone out of date. Now, you can try to change it, and you're going to suffer some when you change it because the book of Revelation says you try to rewrite it and try to change it. <laughs> you think the ten plagues are bad. <laughs> How'd you like to have all ten of them at one time? Now, I'm not partial to flies at all, but I sure don't want a plague of flies all over my body. Come on, folks, laugh a little bit. Ease up here. Come on. 
<laughs> Down through the years, the devil has waged war against the church. And from the time of the early church until today, the churches of every generation have felt and been a part of that attack. The church has been lied about. It's been slandered. And I know that the, and I know that you know and the community knows and God Almighty knows that this church has had its shares of trials and tribulations. It's been battered and bruised and bumped. But after the battle has raised and the fires have been put out and the smoke's cleared away, the church still stands. Why? Why? It's because it's built on the right foundation. It's built on the Lord Jesus Christ. We had a church leadership when I first came here they used to take a chair and set it at the head of the table in our board meetings. And I thought, you know, that's kind of an odd uh, thing to do. It's kind of a weird way to set that up. And uh, as I went in through the board meeting, the chairman said, the reason we have an empty chair at the front of the table, and I was sitting over there going, yeah, I'd kind of like to know. It's kind of a goofy way to set up a board meeting. He said, I want you to know that the head of this meeting is sitting in that chair. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, folks, that hadn't changed at all here. That hadn't changed at all at this church. He is and always will be. The very central point of our focus at our church is about Jesus. One here and one there. And that's the way we're always going to keep it. Don't, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look to me to bring your spiritual growth. Don't look at me to... You, it's your responsibility. I can put the food in the trough, but you better come get it. I can't make you eat it. All right. So the foundation of the church is right, and secondly, the function of the church is right. Look in Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What was it like that led a group of people to come together 40 years ago to begin a church, this church, that we're a part of today? Someone in that early group had a vision. I know part of the reason was because they were tired of attending the liberal mindsetted church that they were in at the time. But that took vision for someone to break loose from that. And so that vision of a church rising up in the middle of darkness and sin to shine forth that glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, it was that vision of a church that would be willing to try to carry out the meaning of the Great Commission that we just read. And since that time, this church ha has seen those baptismal waters stir time and time again, stirred by people who have been saved because someone had a vision to reach them. And the function of the church is twofold. It's preaching and reaching. Jesus said, go and teach. Or in other words, preach and reach. It's the primary function of the church back then, and it should be the primary function of the church today. Preach and reach. Better yet, on the front of your bulletin, go and grow. Go and grow. That's what we're supposed to do. Our vision statement we've had on the wall now for over two years is what? Anybody want to read it? It's right over here to your right. All of you, one time. One, two, three. And where's it found? Excellent. There it is. We have it hanging there every week. 
You've forgotten it's up there because I don't call attention to it every week. But you know what? We need to remember why are we here as River Oaks Christian Church to seek and to save the lost. If we do nothing else in this community but that, we've accomplished much for the kingdom of God. Go and grow. Preach and reach. We got to go because the time is short. We got to go because the need is great. We got to go because the command is urgent. We got to go because hell is hot and death is coming. We got to go because the harvest is white and the laborers are few. We got to go because it, it might be somebody's last opportunity to be saved. We got to go until there's no place else to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Amen. Oh, you needed to go from the one yard line. Come on. Four times they run the same play and can't score. Run the one-yard line. They got to go. I mean, there were people that passionate, weren't they? I mean, there were people standing up in their living room. What's your job? There were people yelling at Bob Zeus, get the fire in, fire in right now. True. Why aren't we that excited about people that are lost? Man, I tell you, we're going to go call on a Monday night. Well, you just have a great time out there, brother. But boy, I throw in front of you some football game. Oh, man. You're ready to stand up and take me out. Hey, folks, people are dying and going to hell. Well, probably true. Okay, somebody's dying and going to hell. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Church over. All right. Is that not us? But boy, you can get sure passionate about football, can't we? How in the world could Arizona come east to Carolina and beat the Carolina Panthers? You can tell me the score. You can tell me the box score. You can tell me who ran the ball or didn't run the ball. You can tell me how many yards Larry Fitzgerald caught last night. If I ask you, you can tell me. You'll try to get it out of your mind. You can't tell me. But see, I've already planted it. And you're going, I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to tell anybody. But I said, now give me a, give me a scripture to lead somebody to Christ. So I'm, I, I, just, I don't quite have it. Man. Just, maybe he'll ask somebody else. Yeah. Okay, are you with me? The function of the church is right. We've got to go and grow. God's blessed this church. Blessed us to where we can be comfortable. But we can never get so comfortable that we forget why we're here and the function of our church. And that is to go and to grow. The foundation's right and the family of and thirdly, the family of the church is right. Look at Acts chapter 11. And when he found them, found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a while, a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, not Baptists. Not Methodists. Not Catholics. They were called Christians. So this is the only church that's ever going to go. Striking dead now, God, right now. No, you know. Boy, listen. What does it mean to be a Christian? Well, you can wear Baptist, Catholic. You can wear a lot of different labels. But what it means to be a Christian is 
Have I surrendered to that? If I've surrendered to the cross, <laughs> that's all that's required. Last time I looked, amen? And then he expects me to grow, doesn't he? He expects me to grow. And the family of the church is right. The church is made up of a group of people who are in Christ, who have repented of their sin, confessed Jesus as their Savior, followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Today, from that small group of people who first met at the Lions Club in 1968, we have over 120 church members in our church. And you might say, whoa, who are they? Better yet, where are they? And somebody took a membership role of an average church and did a study. And here's what they discovered. 5% of the people listed on the church roll no longer existed. 10% of the people listed could not be found, even by the FBI. 25% of those listed never attended the church, even on Christmas and Easter. 50% of those listed never had given a, a penny toward the support of the church. Mick Cronodal told a great story yesterday. i got to tell it to you. Preacher made a change at church. He stopped the Sunday night service. And three months later, the elders found out and fired him. <laughs> there you go. How about that one? Oh, get ready. Get ready, sisters and brothers. Get ready. About lunchtime, it's going, oh, that was funny now. Okay. This, this uh, survey went on to compare church attendance to job attendance and discover that the average person is faithful to their job 85% of the time. Suppose that 85% of those listed as members of the church all decided to come at one time. We didn't buy enough chairs to, hover, to cover them all. They'd have to some have sat on hard, folding chairs. Hey, if we started having that kind of problem, you'd come early to church to get the padded chair, wouldn't you? Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be so fun if this room was so full that we had to run a simulcast over in the other room? Wouldn't that be so much fun? Wouldn't it be so much fun that we had to meet on Saturday night, we had to meet twice on Sunday, and maybe even on Tuesday night? Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, well, that'll never happen here. Not in this little old church. <sighs> oh, just relax. Okay, preacher, just take a chill pill and settle down. Want to bet? Hey, suppose, just suppose, somebody might be thinking, does a person have to go to church to be saved? And you know what my answer is? No. No, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You can be saved at work. You can be saved in your home. You can be saved in your car. Because that's the power of God, is it not? But I will say this. When a person is saved, they need to go forward in a church service. Make that decision public. And follow the Lord in believer's baptism. And when you do that, then you become a member of that local church body. Now, there's some, there's some TV preachers I love. John Hagee's one of them. I mean, 50 minutes, and you're going to get a full 50 minutes out of Hagee. If you're going to sit and listen to Hagee, you're not going to shut it down in 20 minutes. You're going 50, period. Okay? But boy, you'll walk away from there going, rrr, rrr. Charles Stanley, whoo, man. Nothing more slick and suave. Ooh, Adrian Rogers, that's the name out of your past. But I'm telling you, that man was gifted to speak. Woo! He could speak. Billy Graham, huh? How about that one? Billy Graham's sermons only lasted 15 minutes at the max. And some of you are saying, could you copy him, preacher? Yeah, I understand. T.D. Jakes, that's one of my favorites. 
I love to listen to some of the black preachers. Man, they get, they get wound up and good and after it. Robbie Zacharias, there's another one. Woo. But see, these guys are all on TV. And they're good preachers. That's why I'm not on TV. <laughs> but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When there's a need in your life, in your home, in your family, it's not going to be those TV preachers. Oh, they didn't pray for you. But it's going to be the local church that reaches out and helps you. It's going to be the local church that meets the needs in your family. The local church that marries your family, visits you when you're sick, and buries you when you're dead. And for the past number of years, this church, its pastors, and, and their members have been here to reach out to those with broken hearts, broken homes, and broken lives. And to say to them, we love you. And to point these folks to someone who can help. And if you're not a part of our church family, I want you to pray about joining this humble fellowship. I have always said and will continue to say that we're not perfect people. We're just simply forgiven people who will do our best to love you the way Jesus does. And I want you to pray. I want 2009 to be a banner year for us in this church. I want us to jump. I want us to move. I want us to be excited. I want our numbers to increase. And you might say, oh, here you go, on them numbers. Hey, the board's already decided what they're going to do about raises. Okay, so just get over that part. I want numbers because I want Satan not to have them. I want numbers in here so we can teach them and grow them and help them learn. I want our young people to become super evangelists at high school. Man, there is a sin city right up the street, four blocks. And we've thrown these precious lambs in there. I want them to turn. I want these lambs to be aggressive. <laughs> I want to somehow get fire and the boldness of God in them in their heart. I want them to go walking down the hall and they don't, their friends don't want to see them coming because they're bringing Jesus with them down the hallway. Woo, glory to God. You revolutionized Jinx High School. Revolutionized the whole thing. I'd like to see some of these kids lead their teachers to Christ and some of them could sure use it. Are you with me so far? So what's right with the church? Her foundation is right, built on that solid rock. Function is right, preaching and reaching, going and growing. Her family is right. That's the local church. And then number four, the future of the church is right. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about the, those who fall asleep or to grieve like those uh, who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Jesus is coming again. <laughs> In 1990, beyond the walls of communist Germany, the United States completed what was called then, or came to be called, the, the world's greatest airlift. Never had so many men and their equipment been moved so far in so little time. Once every 10 minutes, a giant cargo plane was landing in Saudi Arabia to unload men and their equipment. And the airlift, as great as it was, will not end up being the world's greatest the world's greatest airlift is still yet to come. Amen? <laughs> Woo! It'll take some big wings for some of us, but my God is able. 
And all that this airlift did was remind us that that world's greatest airlift might be closer than we think. According to the Bible, one day Jesus is going to return for His bride. All the true believers who make up the church of God all over the world. It's going to be a silent event because He's going to come like a thief in the night. It's going to be a sudden event in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to be a separating event because one shall be taking the other left. It'll be a sad event. And how sad for those who've been left behind. The church is going up one day. Glory, hallelujah. I want, to, I want you to see something. Crank up the volume. As we think about the foundation, the function, and the family, and the future of this church, is there a decision that you need to make? And make that decision about Jesus today. A decision concerning a relationship with Christ. A decision concerning your relationship with this church. Father, I ask you this morning to move among the people here. And Father, one day it will all be over. And it may very well be sooner than any of us think. And so Father, my prayer today is that whatever they need to do, whatever each person in this room needs to do, that, Father, they would find the courage to do it. Some have never claimed you as their Savior. This would be a good day to do that. And they might be saying, and I just don't understand what that means. Then, Father, what an opportunity we have as a church family to teach them further the way of the Lord. But, Father, we can't teach them a thing until they have the courage to release the back of the chair and make it known. Father, there's the folks that have been attending our church for a while, and they need to put down some roots and make this their church home because it'll be the local church that reaches out and helps them in their time of need. I love TV preachers, and I love radio preachers, and they're wonderful speakers and communicators. But when my needs arise, I'm going to need the local church to help me. But, Father, maybe they would like to join this church. And they don't even know what that means. I'd sure love to have a chance to talk to them about what that means. The only requirement that you've ever asked of us is that we have a relationship with you. And that relationship involves hearing and confessing and repenting and baptism. And so, Father, if there's somebody here that's gone through all that already and just needs to put down some roots and say, this is my church. God, would you let that be known, too? Father, there's a lot right with our church. We've still got a ways to go, but it's going to be a great journey because we've got our hand in your hand. We've got our arm in your arm, and we've got you going before us. And so, Lord, if there's a decision to be made, would they make it today? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.